we are we are in our opening of uh, of the year series. Um, we're going to be preaching about the kingdom of God, and we're stepping into what God is doing. Last week, I shared with you guys a sermon entitled "The King and I," and talked about how the King has been inaugurated on earth that is king jesus and when he does that we're going to see things happen around us and we're going to see a spiritual formation take place inside of us and as i was sharing mid-sermon literally as i was standing there and speaking to you a thought came into my head and the thought that came in my head was that there is a dietary imbalance in this sermon that I'm preaching, you know. And the dietary imbalance is that it covers the vertical aspect of our relationship with the king, uh, but it did not cover the horizontal aspect of our of our relationship with the king. And so today, um, in fact, on the spot, the, the thought came in that I should preach next week, the king and us. And it was just a passing thought mid-sermon, you know, and uh, to. And, and sometime throughout the week, I told myself, hey, you know what? Let's do it. Let's do it. You know, so today and last week is a bit of a primer for our Kingdom series coming up this year, right? And so today, I want to share with you guys um, about the effects of God's Kingdom when it breaks in, how it has um, an effect on our relationships with one another, our relationship with um, the, our responsibility over the land, our responsibility over each other, and our and and even um, uh, the the healing that comes from the world around us when we come into the kingdom of God. Now, uh, we are done with the slides. Uh, today, I've gone really, really light on the slides. So it's, it's mostly just, you know, uh, visual, uh, uh, <laughs> facial communication for me. That's my emoji is, is going to have to ca ca carry the, uh, the communication today for you guys, okay? Now, I'm sure we're all familiar with the Lord's Prayer, right? Why don't we all recite the Lord's Prayer? It's not on the slides. I'm just going to recite it and you all follow along with me, okay? Um, the Lord's Prayer, we know it in like 25 different translations, but let's all try to do it together, right? <laughs> and I almost said, the Lord is my shepherd. <laughs> Fergus Ong, the Lord's Prayer, right? How does the Lord's Prayer start? My brain just suddenly jumbled, right? Uh, our Father in heaven, right? Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our sins as we've forgiven those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And in some translations it adds, for yours is the kingdom and yours is the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Um, Amen. It's a good word. It's a good word. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Right? He is great. Everything begins with He is great. Everything begins with the exaltation of the Lord. Right? Um, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Right? And it's not just your will be done. In fact, a lot of times, I find that we pause at your will be done. Even though, strictly speaking, I don't believe that there's a comma there, okay? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's a very interesting way to say it because if you were to phrase it slightly differently, okay, I'm just going to propose a different way for you to phrase it just so it helps you think. Now, after this, you can go back to, phrase, to pausing after your will be done. That's fine, okay? That's fine. But I'm going to propose one way for us to phrase it so that you hear it differently, okay? It sounds like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, pause, your will be done on earth, pause, as it is in heaven. Now, do you hear it differently? Just from the pauses, your will be done on earth, as it is done in heaven. Now, that is in many ways the crux of the sermon today. God's will, God's kingdom causes itself to be manifest in our midst, replicating what 
already is in the heavenlies okay so so with that i'm going to show you two points okay today we're going to go into two points about what happens when his kingdom comes and his will be done first we're going to look at a renewal that happens all around us and then we're going to look into this verse your kingdom come to us and break it down a little bit okay so but first i want to show you about a renewal that's going to take place around us when god's word when jesus teaches us to pray your kingdom come he's actually uh preempting a, a kind of wrong thinking that we sometimes end up having and he's preparing us for it so we're done with uh, um okay so actually you know what uh, broadcast we can take off this slide we can take off this slide. i just want to say a few more a few more things right um when we say your kingdom come okay a lot of the th times as people of the christian faith Actually, everybody, right? Everybody. We, our thinking is, I want to get to heaven, right? A lot of times, our thinking is, I want to get to heaven. In fact, when I was in my 20s, uh, there, was a, there was a worship album that began with, with, with the lines, Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die, right? Um, and and that, that hit me, right? Because, uh, and that's true, and it's saying its own thing, but it's true, we all think about that Christian faith is about going to heaven, right? In fact, I've heard some people use the word, the, 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 the name of the Bible uh, and turned it into an acrostic to mean basic instructions before leaving earth, right? And, and, and I, I, I've uh, um, said a few words about that before. It's more than instructions, way more than instructions, right? And, it's, and the emphasis is not about leaving earth. The emphasis isn't about us trying to escape this this world as if this world is such a terrible uh, thing to, to find ourselves in, though it is tough, right? It is tough. But that's not God's call over us, for us to just long for, for, for an escape from this place. That is not what it means. Quite the opposite. In our hearts, we think of, I go to heaven. I go to your kingdom. Your kingdom is far away, right? I want to go and sail away to your kingdom. But God says, no, no, quite the opposite, right? My kingdom comes. My kingdom breaks, uh, breaks out from all eternity into your space and time. My kingdom comes to you. The very premise that Jesus would be incarnate as a human baby that we not too long ago were just talking about um, in Christmas is a picture of your kingdom come, Emmanuel, God with us, right? He comes to be with us. And, and if you flip your Bible all the way to the back and you look at Revelation chapter 20, you will see New Jerusalem. Hey, my friends, we don't... It, we. It, I know you've heard somewhere before that we go to heaven, right? And, and, and there is a, a manner in which before um, the end and the last days, you know, when we die, we go somewhere to be with Jesus. It's been called numerous things in the Bible, Abraham's bosom, you know, today you will be with me in paradise. And, there's the, and, and today's not about that sermon, but the very final end point is not we go to heaven. The very final end point, of course, is not we go and start floating on clouds and playing harps, you know. That's not, that's like some, some Hollywoodist type of, of vision of heaven. The vision of heaven for the Bible reading, believing Christian is that New Jerusalem comes down. New Jerusalem comes down from the heavens and it is, it is a, it's a tangible thing. You can touch. The streets are paved with jewels and gold. You know, uh, um, uh, you, you can touch their buildings. There, 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 is, there is light. You know, there is light particles there. There is actual thing. And there will be other people there. And Jesus, Jesus, who is now at the right hand of the Father, He has a physical body. Okay? He has a physical body. And the marks of His crucifixion are still on him. In other words, Jesus is not right now some floating spirit thing that has not, like the moment he took on body at Christmas, he has taken on body forever, forever, for all eternity. And he will come down bodily form, 
right? And and so and so why is that important? It's important because um, maybe sometimes throughout history, if you study church history, you may be able to figure out roughly where you know we started to think of the earthly as something that is bad and and carnal and bad, and we need to escape it. And escaping it is to escape to be spiritual. Macam pergi syurga, go to heaven is the spiritual thing, and then we can all just float and be holy. But that is not the divine vision. And it's certainly not what it means when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what does it mean for us, to, for kingdom to come onto earth, onto earth so that earth can replicate what happens in heaven? Now at one point, earth was replicating what God had ordained in heaven. And for that, I need to bring you all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. Because in the garden, when God created everything and He put Adam and He put Eve, you know, the first couple uh, to be there, and then this is what He said to them, right? Genesis 1 verse 28, And God blessed them, both Adam and Eve, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue the earth, right? Subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, and every living thing that moves on the earth, right? So all, all, all your fauna, right, um, now comes under the authority of Adam and Eve. And God said, Behold, I have given you the whole, all the flora as well. I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit you shall have them for food and then verse 30 summarizes everything and to every beast of the earth every bird of the heavens everything that creeps on the earth everything that has breath of life i have given every green plant for food and it was so genesis 1 28 um, and 29 is a picture of god establishing the divine god-given mandate and authority over humankind his blessed adam and eve to take rule over the world have dominion over all of this creation subdue it. In other words, it may have a, proneness, a proneness or a tendency uh, to be not like them, right? Or, or, or maybe the word we use these days is wild, right? It may have a tendency to be wild, but they are subduable and they come under the, the, the subduing power, not directly from God, but from God to man, from man to the earthly creation. That was the plan. Now, we all know in Genesis 3, in Genesis 3, the fall took place, right? And after the fall took place, this is the pronouncement of, of the curse, of the outcome, the consequences of the sin um, upon all three parties. One, the serpent who tempted Eve, who led Adam into it, right? Two, to Eve, right, who was tempted and who led Adam into it. And three, to Adam, who stood by, saw everything, presumably, saw everything take place, did not hold his, his, uh, his um, wife uh, 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 protect her from this, you know, and walk right into it as well. So, what is the outcome of it? God pronounces curses upon three of this, right? The, when, when I say curse, you can think of it as, as the cursed consequence of the sin. To the serpent, God spoke upon it, enmity with people. From now on, uh, they will strike your heel, you will strike their heel, and you'll be crushed. Uh, on your head by their foot, right? That is the curse. Now, now, as a result of that, there is spiritual warfare, and this, this enmity, uh, enmity is is with her, is with his and her offspring, uh, meaning that with all of uh, um, all of the serpents' offspring, so to speak, and all of uh, Adam and Eve's offspring will have enmity. What that means is that now there is spiritual warfare. Now there is an enemy that comes in and the enemy's desire is to tear down and destroy and, and continue to lie, right? Remember the first one is, the, is a lie. Um, I think there's something going on with the slides. If you can just uh, take the slide off and put it back on, that'll be, yeah. Okay, let's go back. That's good. Now, to Eve, what was, what was the consequence for Eve? Pain in childbirth. 
right? And from, from now on, her, her, her laboring or, uh, uh, to give birth um, uh, will be painful. I was just with, uh, with some friends uh, a few days ago and, and talking about, and I mean, you know, you know preparing for, for childbirth and, and talking about, oh, you know, epidural and, and, and all these things and like, wow, you know, um, by, by, by God's grace, right? Like, like in this renewing world that God, that we have medical interventions for this, but, but nonetheless, see, epidural doesn't make raising children more painless, okay? Epidural doesn't take away uh, uh, the, the pain of the totality of relationship fracture and, uh, and uh, labor, not just the giving birth labor, but the pain of family life. It is painful, right? And so to Eve, he said, there will be pain in childbirth. Your desire will be for your husband, but he will rule over you, right? So there is a disordering in relationship. Out of sin comes a disordering in relationships such that such that men and women the husband and the wife the household essentially is no longer joined in unity and alignment but that their desires will be clashing and unloving right there'll be an unloving response in this case in this particular case in Genesis 3 you see an unloving response from one party and then it doesn't tell you but it doesn't tell you the consequences of that unloving response you know but then you can you, you and I uh, uh, we've lived enough years to know that out of one person's unloving response you can get a domino effect of uh, an of of future you know uh, conflict and other unloving responses back right so that's that's the pronouncement and the consequence of sin over, that was spoken over Eve, right? And that is the, the consequence of the relational disordering and breakdown. And then he says this to Adam, totally different genre of, of, of a category of thinking now, right? He says, now, Adam, cursed is the land. The land from now shall be cursed, right? And cursed how? It shall yield thorns and thistles. Right. In other words, whatever you whatever you you work when you work the land, it will yield something that's gonna hurt you and harm you. In the midst of food, it's gonna grow thorns and thistles, and it's gonna be painful. Now, what does that remind you of? Well, you sow a seed; it's supposed to grow food, but it also grows thorns and thistles. It reminds me of the parable um, of the of of the enemy who came in and sowed weeds among the wheat. Right. And then they had to grow side by side. It also reminds me of the seed that fell on good ground. And then the seed that fell on, on, on the wayside. And there was one of those seeds that fell and got choked up amidst the thorns and the, and the thistles, right? And then it could not grow, right? Why? Why is this taking place? Because of the rebellion, right? And, 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 and but look, because the land is cursed from now on, that to yield food is going to cause Adam both pain and sweat. In other words, the labor to survive. The laborious work, the, the work to survive is now going to be laborious. Tiring labor until he dies. But the God did not put this into the world with no out. God has given us Jesus. And with Jesus, we always think of Jesus' vocation on earth as a very narrow thing. Like he came, died on the cross, pay for our sins, which is all very good theology. Okay, it's good theology. We need to spend lots of time thinking about that. He comes, he dies on the cross, he pays for our sins. But this is the part where it becomes a little bit too narrow. He whisks us away out of this world through the salvation on the cross. He whisks away up to heaven, right? So that all of the saved uh, uh, people quickly, quickly go, quickly go, oh, oh die, ready, go. You know, I'm, I remember as a young Christian, I, I, asked, I asked someone, I, I don't know whether it was a pastor or a leader in church, like, oh, since, uh, we're, all, since we're all Christian and believers now, huh, why don't we just... <laughs> Like believe ready, right? Then we'll just die, right? Um, because believe ready, and if you like, you know, like mass suicide, you know, and then we all go to heaven. And they were like, um, no, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Oh, okay. Why? 
why not, right? Um, now, on that day, that person told me, no, because suicide is a sin as well, you know, and, it, and, and you cannot take your own life. God, God has given you that life. Oh, okay, 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 fine, right? Okay, so that's, that, 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 that's a good answer. But that's not the, the only answer. Now, the reason why when we become Christians, we don't long to die so that we can quickly secure our salvation and quickly go up to heaven, right? Uh, the reason why that is not the right vision for our living is because God saved you not to give you an escape out to heaven. God saved you so that through you, He can save this world. And that's what it means. My kingdom is going to come. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is God's way of saying that I saved you so that through you I can save other people. And by the way, the person who brought the gospel to you wouldn't have been able to bring the gospel to you if I saved them and killed them and brought them up to heaven. right? So that's not how God works. So, so how does He work? Through the power and the coming, the power coming of Jesus, right? Jesus comes, man, God, and he comes, he lives his life, and he keeps telling everybody everywhere he goes, the kingdom of God is upon you. The kingdom of God is here. And as he does that, as I shared last week, that led him to his coronation, right? The authentication of this king. And this king will be crowned not with jewels, not with a crown of glory. This king will be crowned with a crown of thorns, a crown of suffering. And this king will establish a different sort of kingdom. But in this new kingdom, he is renewing the world around us. Everybody say renewing. Everybody say renewing. Everybody say redeeming, right? These are very, very, very related ideas. It's as if the world has gone bad because it has, right? The effects of the Genesis 3 sin has caused there to be spiritual war and oppression in our midst. That's true. Spiritual war and oppression. Relational disordering between people and people. And, and you can see, it's not just between men and women, right? It's between the sons of men and women and the daughters of men and women. It affects everybody. There's relational disordering and then work becomes a curse. Labor becomes laborious. And Jesus came to renew the world so that the spiritual battle may be won so that relational disordering gets put back together and so that our work becomes our worship and it becomes meaningful again. How does he do this? Romans 16.20, the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Rome says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. So the crushing of the serpent that was that was promised would happen in Genesis 3 is being fulfilled by Jesus and the church and, and it is spoken about in a sense of fulfillment, a fulfilling word to speak about it in Romans 16.20. The God of peace will crush Satan. Now, the, it doesn't full stop there because we know the God of peace will crush Satan. We know that. That is the theology that we have and it's good, it's okay theology that God will crush Satan. But he doesn't just crush Satan. He crushes Satan under your feet. So if you can see, God is crushing Satan but he is using your feet to crush Satan. This is very different now. If God is crushing Satan under your feet, then you have a role to play in the kingdom. And you have a role to play in the spiritual war against the powers of lies and addiction and darkness and, 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 and immorality. We all have the role to play because God is not just going to abstractly, in a kind of like abstract way, crush Satan. He's going to do it through us. Every single one of us. That's why the kingdom must come to us. We, we come together. God spoke that. Paul spoke that specifically in the sense to the church in Rome, meaning that the congregation in Rome will crush Satan under their feet by the power of God. 
And today, this word, uh, uh, of course, this word would have applied to the congregation in Colossae, it would have applied to the congregation in Ephesus, and so on. But today, it applies yet to every single one of us in SIBKL at Sungai Bulo. The enmity between Satan and us comes to a head, literally a head, right? When we crush Satan under our feet by the power of the living God. That's our role to play in the renewal of the earth. Church, is any one of you facing spiritual warfare? Is any one of you facing situations where you just feel an oppressive power? Um, there, is, there is something in, let, I mean, let's say there's something in your house and there's a part of your house that just gives you the creeps, right? It's like this a weird medieval painting feeling, right? Um, uh, there's a part of your house that just gives you a bad vibe. Or maybe it's not your house, maybe it's someone else's house. Or maybe it's your workplace. Or maybe it's your child's school or something like that. Right? Is there a spiritual oppression in your midst? Is there someone who is experiencing a sudden kind of sickness, sudden kind of falling into depression, sudden kind of something that sounds out the alarm bells and says, wait a minute, something's not right. Is there, uh, is there a track record in your family of, of undue violence, of anger that cannot be controlled, of um, spiritism, of, of, of some kind of occult, practices, you know, and then you see these things taking place. Is there some kind of generational pattern of um, broken families, of divorce, of not being able to, to, to bear children, of, of having um, uh, uh, addict addictive behaviors? Is, do, these things, do these things manifest around you? Now, you don't have to be, have, the, have the feelers and the sensing to be able to pick all these things up immediately. But as you grow together in church this year, my hope is that your discernment and your wisdom and your clarity and your attentiveness to God gives you a sensitivity in your spirit to be able to discern and to know when something is not right. Guess what? The God of peace will crush that serpent in your life under your feet and generational uh, 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 dysfunctions can be broken the bloodline can be cleansed the atmosphere in that part of the room or office or school can be broken so that light can come in why because jesus is renewing the world through us in the area of spiritual warfare amen Amen. So my friends, later at the end of this service, okay, we are going to open up the prayer, uh, 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 the altar, both online and on site. Okay. And if there is an area where you really want to pray over this because you feel that there's something just not right um, spiritually, I want you to accept the call for prayer. Okay. So if that is you, I just want you to just lift up your hand just below the camera. Okay. Or below where everyone can see and you're doing it for yourself so that you know later you're going to honor what you're doing now. Okay. So, so, so that's the, just, just to prepare you to answer a call to receive prayer. Now, the next one, the one that he said to Eve is the, is the restoration, restoration of the relational disordering that comes from the fall, right? And he says this, Paul teaches the church in, in Ephesus, this, husbands, love your wives, and he doesn't stop there, love your wives. Like, like, who doesn't know the call was to love your wives, right? It's just that we don't know how to do it well, right? We don't, maybe we never had great role models. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Now, Thaler and I, we counsel, uh, 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 do some premarital counseling. We do some, you know, we, we talk to couples all the time. And one, one thing, one question that we sometimes ask our couples is, are there any um, marriages around you uh, that inspire you, right? We, we, we do ask this question, you know, and, and it's very, it's very uh, uh, instructive uh, to, to hear what is being answered back. Are there any marriages around you that inspire you, that make you say that, oh, I would like to be, uh, grow, to grow up in our marriage, to be like this person's marriage, blah, blah, blah. And interestingly, uh, it's not often that we hear couples say, my parents. It's not often. And, uh, Sometimes, couple some some couples have 
have no marriages around them that that they are very you know they're, they're very familiar with that they can say oh I would I, I, I want to role model our marriage after after this uncle and this auntie's uh, 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 marriage or something like that maybe that's partly because we are not close-knit enough and we don't really have the chance our young people don't really have a chance to see how our older people have navigated uh, um, their way through life as, as married people and stayed married you know um, but sometimes it's, it might also be because that we just don't have that many great role models uh, active proactive role models you know or, or maybe we don't know how to role model and maybe we got to 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 80 90 years old and we don't really know how the the, the the how to role model because our own parents back then never role modeled it to us that's why jesus said i will role model Right? So he didn't just say husbands love your wives because husbands need a role model to know how to love their wives. <laughs> right? Hey, husbands, you all know how to love your wives or not? We kind of do, but we also kind of don't, right? We kind of don't sometimes. I, I know I kind of do, but I kind of don't. But Jesus role model what it looks like to love your wives. And in going to the cross, in dying for his bride, in loving her by sacrificing himself, in loving her by bearing her shame, bearing her pain, bearing her sin, and going to death on her behalf so that she may be beautified, so that she may be cleansed, so that she may be made, made, made right before the throne of grace. In so doing, Jesus showed all husbands how they are to love their wives. And every time I get to Ephesians 5 verse 24, verse 25, you know, maybe when I'm with my wife, I will tell uh, 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 you guys um, that I won't speak for the women because the women verse says, wives submit to your husbands, right? Um, uh, and that's not for me to speak about. To some extent, to some extent, okay. It's not. It's not that as a pastor, I don't have a right to speak about it. Um, but maybe not at today's platform. But as a man, I can tell you that maybe could it be that when husbands love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her to sacrifice Himself to die lovingly, die daily, to die a million deaths, husbands, to die a million deaths for the sake of, the, of, of, the, of your wife, for her beautification before Christ, for her, for, her, for her cleansing before Christ, for everything, to die a million deaths. If you are the kind of husband who will go repeatedly under the bus for her and under the bus for her and under the bus for her, maybe you won't be so hard to submit to. <laughs> But you have to test that theory, right? You have to test that theory. I think the word will hold true. I think the word will hold true. Because guess what? When Christ asks for our submission, it is difficult when we don't think about His sacrifice. But when we see Him on the cross, when we see all He's done for us, and we don't think, wow, this God so, so exeya, come and ask for me to submit, you know? When we don't think about him that way, but we think about him the way he said earlier in Ephesians 2, where he says that, that because he, he, out, he did not count equality with God, something to be grasped, came, lowered himself down to the place of a do-loss, the lowest slave, you know, died a humble death on a cross, blah, 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 right? And because of that, now he's super hyper-exalted, right? Can you submit to that? Because he reached the valley for us, I will. And submission to Jesus is not hard when we know how much he suffered for us. Same thing through the role modeling of christ and you see it in ephesians 5 25 jesus is restoring renewing relationship in homes relationship between married couples and guess what i challenge you to see if this works even outside of marriage even though it's not spoken precisely here i challenge you to say to take any non-marital relationship where there has been a break and there's some severance or some strain, whether it's with your parents, whether it's with a staff, whether it's with a colleague, whether it's with, with your worker, your, your domestic worker, whether it's with somebody, I don't know who. It can be with a friend or a former friend, a neighbor, you're fighting over the car park outside your house or something like that. I dare challenge you, challenge accepted or not. Go, try, take this, right? 
Neighbor, love your neighbor as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for neighbor. See if that does not bring a renewal to the broken relationships around you. Third one, he spoke to Adam. Work heartily. No, he spoke to Adam. Cursed is the land, right? Cursed is the land. Now it will yield thorns. Work now becomes laborious and painful and bad. How many of y'all, you, you love your work? You love your jobs, right? I love my job, but it doesn't make it diff- easier, right? And I think for some of us, we, have the, we, have the, we can be thankful and say that I love my job, but it doesn't, that doesn't make it much easier. It's still a difficult job. And we do difficult jobs partly because the world needs responsible people to do difficult things. Right? And that's necessary. But we also do difficult work because to some extent, we are living in a world where the land is cursed. And, and, and what the land is cursed means is that as you work, you're not getting 100% fruitfulness. You're working and you're getting 50% fruitfulness, so to speak, and you're yielding thistles and thorns. You know, And that essentially, as you work, you're yielding things that's going to work against your work and it's going to cause you pain and sweat and trouble. How many of you, you go to work and your whole career, no problem one, everything smooth sailing one. You know, <laughs> I don't want to work for you, something is wrong. So you're not doing real work, right? right? If, if you do real work, any sort of real work, you will know that work is hard and work is laborious and often thankless and full of problems. The more you work, the more problems come up. Why? Because of the curse to Adam. Now, Jesus is also renewing that. He says, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men. When you do your work, when you go and show up, don't just show up for your boss. You know, people say you don't leave jobs, you leave boss, right? Sometimes it's so hard because your boss is like, wow, this guy is like killing me, right? And you just want to run from this fella, right? Um, but Jesus says, don't, don't work for him, work for me. But he's your, he's your, 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 your in-between, your go-between, right? Like, are you an accountant? You know, I, 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 are, you, are you on site? You know, are, are you, you know, doing, doing, auditing someone? Is it dying? Are you dying, you know, in the atmosphere? Jesus says, audit for me. Every, every line you go through and you're being, being super pedantic and you're being super thorough, be thorough for God. Be thorough for me, says the Lord. And I will richly, I love your work. When he says, I see how thorough you are, I love your work. When I see that you audit well and you have integrity in the way you do it, I love it, I receive it. It is worship to me. That's what God says, right? Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, right? So, so my friends, God is renewing all of these things in our lives. In this season, in this day, and what is this day? This day is what I shared with you last week when Jesus said that He's proclaiming liberty to captives, right? Recovery of sight to the blind, deaf people will get to hear, and then what? Recovery of liberty to those who are in prison, to those who are oppressed. Why? Because He's proclaiming the year of the Lord's favour. The year of the Lord's favour, jubilee, kingdom come. The old is gone, the new is come. Broken world gets restored, gets renewed. Get your mind out of going to heaven. Not yet. Your time is not up, my friends. Your time is not up. And even then, you're going to whatever heaven you think is a spiritual kind of like up there place. It's only temporary until New Jerusalem comes down. And when New Jerusalem comes down, you come back down to join with all of us. And we're all going to be together on a new recreated earthly forever eternity that is going to be restored and perfect. That's the vision for the future. You know, my friends, even on this point of work, I was just reading last night about this, this phenomenon in, in America, but I believe you can see it here in Malaysia as well, called the Great Resignation. Have you heard of the Great Resignation? In November, 4.4 million resignations in America. All-time high. Resignations, quitting jobs has never been higher. And, and, and so all the economists and all the sociologists are, are, are starting to, to come up to talk about this new phenomenon called the Great Resignation, right? November 2021, somewhat post-pandemic. Now, pandemic time, if you could hold on to your job, you are fortunate, man. That's what we used to say, right? Wow, did you, you managed to keep your job. Thank God, praise God, you kept your job, right? But somewhat post-pandemic, 
though technically we don't know if we are actually post-pandemic, early endemic, whatever. That's not the point, right? The point is, as we get into the two-year two mark, you know, of all this crisis, everyone's leaving their jobs. Everyone's quitting. Everyone's looking for fresh things, right? And so they're saying that it, it, it's hitting people who are mid-career the most. It's hitting people who have been working in the same place long the most, you know, and all this kind of thing. It's, it's happening there. And I can tell you, the same trend there is going to be visible here. People are throughout the end of last year and as we come out of pandemic, people are going to be leaving their jobs. Why? Because they've been going through something and that something is quite traumatic and then whatever it is, people are looking, re-looking at their work arrangements and seeing all these dissatisfactions about what they, are, they have experienced and they're making decisions. Now that's what's happening on earth. What's God trying to say? If He lifts us up to His perspective and He helps us to see the great resignation, the American great resignation that's going to hit here as well. Now, on one hand, you could say, oh, this is great. This market force is a reset, you know, and all the inefficiencies on the ground is going to be wiped out clean, you know, and, 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 and all that and blah, 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 right? You could, and, and if you're an economist uh, uh, tilted that way, you, you might very well say that. And on some level, it's true. A lot of, a, a lot of wrong fit is going to be fixed, so to speak, by this. But, but you know what? A lot of the people who are, who, are, who are looking at this and making decisions inadvertently, you know, are going to be looking at things and making decisions for their own lives as they see fit. And the world can only make life, life decisions for themselves as they see fit. But Jesus is in our lives, us as Christians, as believers. So my friends, if you are feeling an unsettledness in your workplace and you're thinking that, yeah, oh my gosh, I didn't know Pastor Fergus was going to talk about re resignation, resigning from work, because it so happens I'm thinking about it, right? If that is you, if that is you, I'm not here to tell you, don't resign, <laughs> stay. I'm not here to tell you, please resign, go to a better faith. That's not my role. That's not my role. That's Holy Spirit's role, by the way. But my role is to help you to understand that if the conversation about changing vocation, changing jobs, changing workplace comes to your doorstep, the first question you need to lie on is not what do I want. The first question you need to lie on is what does Jesus want? Because if He is renewing uh, um, our relationship with work, then it goes and it follows that he is giving you something meaningful and of purpose and of and of great significance for you to do. And whether it is auditing someone or whether it is uh, um um, was it cooking pet food, <laughs> or whether it is uh, we're, we're, we're one of us who cooks pet food, right? Whether it is um it is looking after a physical premise or looking after the children who are in it, whatever your job is, honour God with it. And by honouring God with it, I do mean do it to your best. Excellence glorifies God, right? So in your pandemic, whether you are out there, you know, in Bursa, you know, because you have to go out, or whether you're back in your house because you, you, you work for a company that says, everybody stay home, you know, Where, whatever that may be, give it your best shot. Why? Because God is the recipient of your best effort. You want to read a good book on it? Tim Keller wrote a book, Our Best, what was it called? Every Best Endeavour. Right, every best endeavor. Go read. It's a great. It, 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 it's it, it's a. It's very highly recommended. Um, and it's been on my to read list, you know, and and I've thumbed through it, so I know it's good already, you know. And so, so my friends. But if you are thinking about moving, please seek the Lord. Not so much for God, what is good for me, but God, where is the kingdom? Your kingdom, which you said is the highest reality, breaking in into our midst. How is that going to, how uh, you using me, pakailah sesuai dengan rencanamu. That's what we worship with sometimes, right? How are you going to use me to break into this world and where are you going to take me so that I can make a difference? If you're running a business, how can your business continue to bless the Lord? How can your business continue to hold territory and hold spiritual territory in the city, right? How? Now, this is all part 
of God's renewing plan for all of us. And we are not in this alone, my friends. We are in this together because next to me is you and next to you is someone else. And we are all in this to build this relationship together. There are no lone rangers in church. Even with work, you're going to go out there, you're going to be the church with the other Christians if you can find them in your workplace and you're going to build an atmosphere of praise, an atmosphere of renewal, an atmosphere of redemption in your workplace. That's how kingdom comes. That's how His will is done on earth as it is in heaven. And on that note, I want to show you the next, the, the, the next slide. I'll show you the next slide. Let's go, let's go. Yes, yes. Renewal that takes place all around us, kingdom come to us. Okay, now he says, your kingdom come. Right? So when he says your kingdom come, he's really saying two things. One is that his kingdom, God, takes initiative to come. Okay, let's see the next slide. Let's see the next the slide after this. When, when Jesus teaches us to pray, your kingdom come, he's saying God takes initiative. And he's saying that the kingdom is invasive. Let me take them one by one. When we say that God takes initiative, again, remember, it's not about us wanting to go to heaven. Because now it's like, oh, I want to go to heaven so much. God, I want to go to heaven so much. That's our initiative. That's our thinking. We want to go to heaven. But Jesus says, no, I come to you. Heaven comes to you. Right? So God makes the move. God makes the first move. God always makes the first move. He's been making the first move from the very, 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 very start. And guess what? This is the same, by the way, for prayer. My friends, if you think you have the first word in prayer, you are mistaken. You do not have the first word in prayer. God gets the first word in prayer. And my friends, if you ever find prayer very hard because you find that, oh, yo, Pastor, I don't know what to say. Pastor, really, I don't know how y'all got so many, well, y'all so kapko, y'all can say so many things. But I can't, I just can't, right? God, I, my, like, like, I say one, two things to God and I'm done. I don't know what else to say. So I don't even know how to start. You know what, my friends? Prayer doesn't begin with you saying a lot of things. Prayer begins with God saying a lot of things to you. And so if you don't know how to pray, maybe it's because no one's ever helped you to see that prayer begins with listening. Listening to the Word. Listening to God speak. And you're like, huh? I thought prayer is, I gotta pray lah, right? Right? Yes. Yes. You do. There is a point in which you open your mouth and you exalt Him. There's a point in which you open your mouth and you ask for His will to be done here. But it's only after you know His will and how are you going to know His will? He takes the initiative to reveal His will to us. He reveals His will to us through the written Word. He gave us the Bible. So I don't want to lord it over y'all that, oh, y'all must read your Bible. Huh? How come you're not reading your Bible? Huh? I don't want to be that kind of pastor to you. Frankly, I don't. Right? I want to be the kind of pastor who, who, is, who loves his Bible so much that when you see me love my Bible, um, you, will, you will catch the same love for your Bible. Right? Which is the same Bible, by the way. Right? Um, uh, that's my hope. That's the kind of pastor I want to be for you. To show you that God takes initiative in my life so that you know God takes initiative in yours as well. He always makes the first move. In fact, I was training my kids. Um, we used to pray um, at night before we go to bed that we'll wake up tomorrow happy, chirpy, jolly and ready to start the day. Okay, We used to pray that every night we'll pray uh, um, that, that Lord uh, 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 help us to wake up tomorrow happy, chirpy, jolly, ready to start the day. Okay, And then um, I started to think that hmm, I think this little prayer here can be theologically uh, uh, better, right? And so I told them that actually kids, um, yeah, on some level we start the day, but on some other level, God starts the day, right? And while we are sleeping, He starts the day. While we are sleeping, He's doing things already. While we are sleeping, He's battling enemies already. While we are sleeping, He's preparing our day. He's actually weeding out our, our, our day for us and blah, blah, blah. He's already, he's already at work. Why? God takes initiative. And so, when we wake up, we are usually late to the party because it's usually around sunrise that we wake up, right? And He's already been working for, for six hours. And so, I told my kids that let's wake up to join God in what He's doing. That's better theology. 
let's wake up tomorrow to join God in what He's already started. So, so we started praying, God, help wake us up happy, chirpy, jolly, and ready to join you in what you have started. And so we started praying that way. And then sometimes I still pray wrong. I still, I still pray the old prayer. I say, have, have, uh, wake us up, happy, chirpy, jolly, ready to start the day. And my kids will be like, no, Papa, you're praying it wrong. You're praying it wrong. You should be praying that we, we don't start the day. Yeah, Papa, we don't start the day. We wake up, we join God in what He's doing. Like, wow, okay, I'm getting schooled by my kids. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, let's, let's pray that. Yeah, so Sunai Bulo Church. Let's remember that God always takes the first move. While we are sleeping, He's working already. That's why Sabbath is so important. That's why this year I want to take you all into some of these spiritual disciplines. Sabbath is super important. Why? Because when you stop working, that's your way of being trained in your heart to know that you are not the decisive one in the fruit. God is the decisive one in your fruit. And if you can stop working for one day out of seven, it is to teach you that when you stop working, God still works. And God is good. He is, he is more important than us. His work is more important. If we work, but God don't work, no point. No point. And, and frankly, a lot of times when we, when, when we burn our Sabbath at the altar of overworking, it's a case of we working, but God not working. Because we want it whole. Yeah. His kingdom come means God takes initiative. His kingdom come means the kingdom is invasive. It comes in. Now, we hear this word invasive and it's, oh, it's not a good word. It's not, it, we don't like invasions. We don't like invasive things. We don't like people to be invasive. We don't like medical treatments to be invasive. We don't like this word invasive. So, but what is it? We like it when good invades evil. We like it when light invades darkness. And what he does, he actually his light infiltrates darkness infiltrates darkness, breaks into it, seeps into it, and then starts to grow, then starts to manifest. Later this year, you're going to hear us preach about the kingdom of God being like yeast. It starts out as a little bit, you know, it's invasive. You put a little bit of yeast into the dough and you and, and you get the environment and the, 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 the environment conditions right. It's going to work its way all the way through it. Kingdom is invasive. It works its way all the way through. And light is going to work its way in through all the corners of darkness. Your kingdom come works like that. And the next one is your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Next slide. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What this means is that there is going to be an earthly manifestation of the heavenly realities. If you look at Gosh, I'm doing this freestyle now. Isaiah chapter 6, the opening of Isaiah chapter 6, where Isaiah sees the, the Lord, the train of his rope fills the temple. You all remember that one? The train of his rope fills the temple and then I, I believe there is smoke there, and, and he can't see anything because the whole temple is filled and this is a vision of Isaiah of the heavenly places where God is, God's throne room in heaven. And then after that, there is an angel who declares, they, they describe the angel, right? Like six wings flying above the whatever. And then the angel declares, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with His glory. Huh. Now, I've shared this with you all before. That's why it's kind of triggered in my mind, right? But first, you see the train, of the, temp the train of the rope of God filling the whole temple. That is, the presence and power of God is complete and full. Pekat, tepu, you know, in heaven. But then the angel declares, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with His glory on earth as it is in heaven. We want to see an earthly manifestation of a heavenly reality. Church, I want to see Sungai Bulo become a kingdom movement. I want to see Sungai Bulo become a kingdom power, a kingdom explosion, so that every single one of us understands that our allegiance is to the king and our daily life is sold out to the king and that everything we want to do on earth is to cause earth to look more like heaven. That's what it means. Your will be done. And when he does that, he is looking for earthly hosts, for his heavenly will. 
So he's not just going to remote control everything to happen here or like rain down like, you know, whatever, some divine loving version of sulfur and brimstone. That's not how he's going to work. He's going to do that by finding a host on earth. That's you and I, his church. Later this year, you're going to hear us preach about how the kingdom has keys and the keys have been given to the church so that whatever the church binds on earth, it will be reflected in heaven. Whatever the church loses on earth, it will be reflected in heaven. Why? Because he is looking for hosts on earth to do his will in heaven. So that when our wills are conformed, Romans 12 verse 1 and 2, when our hearts are conformed, not to the pattern of this world, but to the ways of God, so that what he wants is what we want, then what happens on earth is that the amazing power of human people coming to together to do great exploits and when these people all desire the things of God and we are all going out there to do this and we are submitting our knees are bent before the Lord every day and yet as as people who come together you saw it happen in a reverse form in, in the Tower of Babel and God said oh my word how if these people come together to do something wicked and self-serving how utterly occultic and self-serving and ugly it ends up becoming. Though grand in their own eyes, it is absolutely monstrous. And then we hear how the church, God gives the keys to us and how we are called to host His will. So I become a host for His will. He comes and He seeds me with His will. He seeds Sarah Yon with the will. He seeds Joel Pang with His will. He seeds Melissa Wong with His will. And David Lian and Jenny and Vincent and Eileen and Juliana and JJ and Pastor Shan and Yanni and Edward and I'm going to read everybody on my screen. He's going to seed every single one of us with his will so that we become hosts so that it will be done on earth. That's why I was training you all to pause at earth, not pause at will, right? Not, not pause at done, but pause at earth. Your will be done on earth. That's our part. As it is in heaven, let it be done on earth. Our part. Amen? So the kingdom is not just a vertical thing. A kingdom is also a horizontal aspect. We come together, we work together, we worship together, we love together. Amen? Because at the end of the day, God did not say that my name was going to be Emmanuel because Emmanuel means God with you. Emmanuel does not mean God with me. Right? Emmanuel means God with us. I haven't made a slide for you for that, right? Emmanuel doesn't mean God with me. So we cannot be self-serving in the way we think. If you're, if you're facing a family issue, Emmanuel means God with us. You want to be prayed for. If, you, if you're facing a family issue and you really want prayer, we want to pray with you. And the reason why we want to pray with you, not you go and pray yourself, is because Emmanuel means God with us. And, we, and the Christian faith means that we actually believe that when your Christian brethren, when your, when your sisters and brothers come and pray for you over your family issues, that God sees and God hears and He does something that's different. It has got a different flavor compared to if you did it yourself. If you're facing a workplace problem, we want to pray with you. Why? Because Emmanuel means God with us. If you're facing a financial trouble, please, you don't even have, you don't have to tell us the details, but we just tell us I want to pray over something, and we want to pray with you. Even so as we are standing in the presence of Almighty God this morning, this is a time for us to just receive from the Lord. And wherever you are, even as we have listened to the Word of God that Pastor Fergus has brought to us, God is in the house. God is here in this place, right? And even as we have come to Him this this morning see a great exchange taking place lay your weaknesses at his feet lay the things that should not be in our lives even as the spirit of god is bringing to your remembrance at the feet of jesus even as we have come to the altar this morning and allow him to put the stuff that he wants to things of him his character his power his anointing his goodness his favor let him place that into our lives this morning no matter what has happened in the past, 2022 is going to be a year of fulfillment in our lives. It is a year where He is bringing His presence so that He can manifest Himself to us, in us, and through us. Right? 
I just want you to lift your hand to the Lord. I just want you to lift your right, if you can, both your hands, right? Just lift your hands to the Lord, all right? And let's bring, you know, ourselves in surrender to the Lord, all right? Uh, I'm just going to be praying for you. Uh, if there is anyone of you who needs prayer, you can just uh, remain standing, right? And I'll pray for you. But right now, I'm going to pray a, a general prayer for all of us, all right? Just connect with the Lord even as we are standing where we are. Remember the place that we are standing this morning is holy ground because this is where God is. This is where the presence of the Lord is, right? Let's reach out to the Lord. Father, you are a good God and you are here in this place. And as we come to the altar this morning, as we are at the altar this morning, we are lifting our souls to you, God. We are reaching out to you, Father. But even, Lord, as John the Baptist said, it should be, Lord, more of you and less of him. It should be more of you in our lives and less of us. That, God, we give of ourselves, that you take every square inch, every ground that we surrender to you this morning. So, God, we surrender, surrender ourselves to you, spirit, soul, and body. Come, Lord, and fill us with your presence. Come, Lord, and take control of our lives even as we are surrendering it to you willfully. Guide us, strengthen us, restore us, Father, that our lives would be completely given over to you in sweet surrender, in willful, intentional surrender, so that in us, Jesus will be manifested. Through us, Jesus will be revealed. And in our lives, in every breath, in every word, in every thought, God, you will take delight, you will be glorified. That yes, we will be carriers, conduits, connectors, and even couriers of your presence, God. You will be glorified in our lives, Lord Jesus. You will be glorified in SIBKL at Sungai Bolo as a church. You will be glorified in our families. You will be glorified in each individual. Establish your word, establish your good pleasure over us. In Jesus' name, amen.